Yo, peace out, people. What's going on? It's your boy Kaz here live again with Say Less. Thank you guys so much for subscribing to the podcast through Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, everywhere you get podcasts. iTunes has been tripping, but I've talked to them, and hopefully we get it up in the next couple of days. And all you guys who have Apple, you can catch up by then. But um, yeah, this episode's really fun. Uh, we talked to Brian B. Miller of uh, the Rap Radar podcast and MTV News. Uh, B. Dot's a longtime friend of mine. We've known each other for over a decade, just in the whole journalism hip-hop space. Uh, he was at XXL, I was at The Source, and uh, he was at Rap Radar. I was doing hip-hop wired and stash. But other than that, B. Dot, in addition to being a very good friend, is one of the most trusted uh, voices in music, uh, specifically hip-hop. Just a guy who works really hard and uh, has put out some of the most memorable interviews in recent memory, interview people like Jay-Z, Nipsey Hussle, Will Smith. B-Dot is one of the most intuitive, smart, funny, thoughtful motherfuckers uh, in the entire game. And it's hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't fuck with this guy. Even if, as a person, as a guy who creates content, somebody who's just really gung-ho for his craft... I just love his work, man, and it's rare that you could be, uh, well, it's rare in regular life, but in my life, uh, most of my friends, I'm not just friends of theirs, uh, I'm fans of their work as well, and um, I really do appreciate this talk with them, so, Emilio, hit the fucking music. Next guest on the Say Less podcast while we're in here quarantine practicing Social distancing is one of my favorite people on earth. You could catch him as uh, MTV News lead music correspondent, and he's also the co-host of the super popular Rap Radar podcast on Title. He's a journalist. He's a broadcaster. He's a producer. He's been in the game for damn near two decades. He's done interviews with the likes of Jay-Z, Drake, Will Smith, Nipsey Hussle, the legendary and my friend, Brian B. Miller. How you doing, boss? Yo, man, do you do obituaries too? <laughs> Yo, why does everybody say that? I feel like everybody that comes on the show, I mean, clearly I, I, I admire you. So, I mean, damn, yes, I, I, I do obituaries too, brother. Damn, when I croak, man, I want you at my eulogy, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Brian, man, uh, it's good to have you on the show, bro. Uh, it's, of course, bro. I mean, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, but I feel like this type of talk is, uh, you know, something to get people's minds off of shit. So, general question I'm going to ask you first is, uh, what's your quarantine playlist looking like? I mean, I know we're all bored of shit in the house, but what, what's been in your, in your rotation since uh, you've pretty much been confined to the quarters of your home? Well, I listen to that new weekend project. Um, still listen to the new J Electronica joint. You know, I want to stay as current as possible for, for the most part. I'm deep diving in the 90s, man. It's looking like quiet storm away on this side. A lot of things that we grew up on, you know, like the Jay-Zs, the DMXs, the Nas's, the greats. So a lot of that, a lot of the old school stuff. We've known each other for damn near 10 years. Yeah, uh, just, you know, from Source days to, you know, Rap Radar days and XXL days. I mean, talk to me a little bit about, you know, what got you into the game. Was Don Diva the first spot you were writing at? And and if so, tell me the story about that. Yeah, that was I, I was kind of like a staff writer intern. I was doing that while I was in college. But what kind of 
got me into the game was the money. <laughs> you know, because what happened was I was freelancing in college at Delaware State University. Yeah. And I remember getting my first freelance check. And I was like, my first check ever with a comma in it. And I said, yo, if I could, you know, do this for a living, I could be all right. You know, at, you know, once I graduate school and then I started to kind of take it serious. And I was like, if I want to get this money, I got to dedicate myself and immerse myself into this journalism culture, this journalism game. And that's kind of what really inspired me to get it popping. But Don Diva was definitely like the launching pad. That was my way of getting my foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? I figured once I get in, all I want to do is just bum rush it open, you know, and I kind of figured it out from then. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, sometimes I go on your Instagram story and you got gems on there from from way back in the day, from your intern days to, you know, to XL days to all that type of shit. I know a lot of people listen to this and they always kind of want to figure out how to get in the game. And I know it's a different era now where, you know, everybody with a microphone and a computer could get in, but just kind of explain how you got in, you know, in addition to just being at Don Viva, like, and immersing yourself in the culture, what steps did you really take to make that happen for yourself? Like you said, the game is different now, but I feel like some of the principles still apply. The most important thing is to hustle, man. You gotta want this shit, man. You gotta, like, really put yourself out there and go a little bit further than other people are willing to do. Whether that means you got to go where like-minded people are. So if there's like an industry party that you know Kazim is going to be or I'm going to be at, you know, you just want to be there or you want to be at this convention. You want to be at this function. You just want to be where as many people that are like-minded are. And I feel like that's missing this day and age. People are just so complacent and, you know, sending links via Twitter or, you know, their DMs or sending cold emails that people sometimes forget. You got to put boots on the ground, man. You got to hustle. If you really want to be in part of this. And to be honest, everyone can be everyone can participate. As long as you got Wi-Fi, you're already on. You know, it's all about wanting to get to take it to the next level if you're really that committed and if you really want to do it. Yeah, you know what? In in a weird way, with, with everything going on in the world with, with COVID nineteen and everything, I kind of feel like what you just said is going to be put to the test. Like, there's going to be no right. fake in the funk with just cold emails and, and, and just like, oh, I put my links out. Why don't you support or retweet for support? Like, now it's yeah. like, if you ain't putting in the work in, you know what I'm saying, when this whole thing is over, you're going to be, you know, starving out here. So should we expect more of a renaissance of, uh, of creative output and not just, you know, journalism and content creating, but artists as well and lyricism? Yeah, I think so too. I feel like, you know, this time... People are going to use this time wisely, and creativity thrives from a lack of resource. I've always believed that. So I think, you know, once this thing is over, we should see an outpouring of pitches and, you know, uh, people coming up with new ideas and new innovative ways to approach things. Hopefully that is the case, you know, in the next couple of weeks, because all we have right now is nothing but time. So we'll see. I'm optimistic about it. We talk a lot in group chats yeah. with, with, with Charlemagne and, and, and Hovain and Rob and, and everybody. The Drake interview with uh, yeah. with Elliot at uh, you know at his crib or whatever. And I remember us being in the group chat talking about you know this there's, there's some records that you're about to hear that's going to be crazy. And I think one of them ended up being uh, I say when say say when exactly when to say when and say uh, less is your podcast say less this is say less Drake is say <laughs> when so uh, you know I had to get on that before shit motherfuckers ran with that title but uh, oh, double entendre don't even ask me how um, so t- t- just tell me about you know the whole setup to that because I know. 
when it comes to Drake and, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting that sort of unprecedented access to him, there had to be a jump, of, a bunch of hoops to jump through about that. So tell me about that whole process. Yeah, that was like a year in the making. Um, you know, we were supposed to do it in 2018, but we couldn't do it because he had a situation with Apple and it got canceled um, like the day of that we were supposed to do it. So um, Elliot had this idea. It's like, look, Drake, artist of the decade, like no one's really saying it. So it was kind of like a shot in the dark. And we just shot our shot. And um, he said, yo, you should hit Drake too, like double down on our efforts to see if he's willing to do it. On Thanksgiving Day, me and Drake talked for like half an hour about, you know, the idea of it. And he was like, yo, I'm willing to do it. I'm in a great space. You know, I appreciate you guys, you know, telling me that I'm the artist of the decade, giving me my flowers, all that good stuff. And he was like, I right, just come to the crib. So after some planning, we uh, settled on a date. And, you know, he had his crew do it and all that good stuff. And we went to his crib and, man, the joint looks like it's like a city block, man. Insurance is huge. And, you know, you, you, you go there and it's like, wow, I'm really in Drake's house. And, you know, he just moved in like two weeks ago, two weeks prior to us coming. And, you know, you just kind of take it all in and just like, wow, OK, this is really going to happen. I knew it was going to be significant you know, for my career and for the culture. So I just wanted to do the best job possible. But it was um, it was definitely an experience, you know, for the most part. So what was, I mean, I know everybody had their opinions on the uh, the actual fallout from the interview and, and the upcoming music that's come from it. What was Drake's actual feedback from it? You know, some artists, you know, somebody oh. who's interviewed a shit ton of artists, you've interviewed a shit ton of artists, sometimes people are happy with it, sometimes people are unhappy with it. What was what was his thoughts? What was the follow-up uh, conversation like that once everything was out there? To say he loved it is kind of an understatement. He actually um, texted Ellie and I and was like, you know, this is the most love he's ever got for anything. And I thought that was kind of flattering because I'm like, dog, what are you talking about? You put out <laughs> like, one of the biggest artists ever. And this is the most love for anything you've done. And that felt, I felt that was the most rewarding. I mean, granted, we were like trending on YouTube, like the number one trending video for like three days. And, you know, all the views and all the feedback, that's great. You know, I love all that. But like for him to say that, that to me was like the most rewarding moment of it all. So he was happy with it. I was happy with it. But you know what's crazy, Kazim? Because it's like, you know how it is as a journalist. After the interview is over, you know, you're driving home, you're thinking to yourself, like, damn, I forgot to ask this question. Yeah, every time, every time. It's, it's like journalism's remorse, man. It's like, yo, I hate that part because there's things I could have and I should have asked or wanted to follow up on. Like what? You know, um, I think I could have asked more about the Nicki Minaj stuff, like him and his relationship with that, the project that he put out, the care package project. And to be honest, it's hard to cover everything in just two hours, especially if I'm working with Elliot because it's like, we don't collaborate, you know, we don't share notes or anything like that. So it's kind of like we have to have this song and dance kind of rhythm when we do an interview. So there's certain things that I think I could have wanted to ask, but I didn't. But, you know, maybe next time. So Yeah. So speaking of which, man, I was, I was about to get right into that. You know, working with Elliot and, uh, you know, you guys have a longstanding partnership, even back to the double XL days. And Rap Radar just celebrated its, its 10th anniversary. God, I remember. Uh, 11th. 11th anniversary. Jesus. Like, I remember... The, the the party that y'all threw, y'all launched that yeah, damn thing. Yeah. So, I mean, man, it, it's incredible. So, just, um, I don't think a lot of people really understand the relationship between Elliot and yourself, man. Like, especially as not just partners in Rap Radar and, you know, I guess, uh, do I say mentor and mentee at some point? But now you guys are both, you know, 
juggernauts of journalism in your own right. So right. what's the what's the relationship like when it's time for you both to sit down and interview a Will Smith, a Jay-Z, a Drake? Like, how does that game plan come about? It's, it's weird because I've been working with Ellie for so long. It's kind of like a marriage. Sometimes I might email him or text him something and he's texting me the same thing. So it was like we kind of think on the same wavelength. Um, a lot of times when we want to go after a certain artist, we just kind of like – uh, brainstorm and just, you know, trade emails to explain why we should talk to this person now. But um, we we just a lot, a lot of times we're like evenly yoked. You know, a lot of times we disagree on certain things, but for the most part, you know, we're on the same page. Uh, when it comes to um, just the way we operate, I just feel like it's just, it's just a great pairing. You know, we have different ideas when it comes to um, the way we approach things, uh, we don't really like. People think that when we do an artist, a big artist, we like sit down and we kind of uh, go over our notes. We don't share notes, do our own uh, our own research separately. Uh, we just kind of like come up with a game plan while we're there in the moment, and um, we just try to operate to the best of our abilities. And it's an incredible chemistry that you guys have built up, even with. Elliot's incredible fucking laugh that we can't. Even... Oh, I hate that shit. <laughs> that shit is the worst. I love Elliot to death, but goddamn, that that laugh is it's top five. But you know, <laughs> I don't even know if it's for the reasons why it should be top five. It is a top five laugh though. Um, let's 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 cherry pick a little bit, man. Uh, sure. So if you could go back and revisit yeah. one four to five year period in hip hop history anywhere. Uh, as a journalist, as a fan, as somebody who just consumes music, where are you picking it and why? I have my moments. Like, I really wish, I think, like, the era from, like, 1997 to 2001, two. I wish, I mean, I wasn't old enough to appreciate it because I wasn't even in the business yet. But imagine all the music that came out, especially during that time. Like, yeah, Lauren Hills, you got GMX, you got GZ, you got, you know, all these great debuts and follow-ups during that moment. And I feel like the money in the business was just so lucrative. You know, Source was thicker than the Luke dancer. At that oh, point, you know? man. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? Dog, like, I, remember, I remember the first time I went to work at the Source, and I'm looking at, you know, the magazines he was putting out and the magazines I was out back then. I'm like, God damn, this shit is like a dictionary back in the day, bro. Like, fuck. <laughs> You can't even you don't get to a story until twenty pages in because there's so many ads. But it's like, God damn! Right. So you can only imagine the amount of money that was being circulated at the time. You know, now a magazine is as thick as a menu, so it's just different. And I really, I really ask people that were in that in the business at the time, like Elliot um, Briggs Morales, who works on Atlantic, like what it was like at the time. And they just say it was magical. But then I also think about from like 2002, 2000, maybe. Four, six, two, yeah, around that era, like 50 Cent's Emergence, uh, Dipset, when they were really popping, like, going to the, uh, to Jamaica Avenue to buy mixtapes, like, that was a great time to go, to go to the, uh, the mixtape spot, to buy the Smack DVD, then take it to the barbershop for a screening, and then fast forward to the battle, like, that was, mm. that was everything, man, and then, like, also, don't forget, you had 106 in Park, the Freestyle Friday, yes. and then on Monday, that was the water cooler talk. Like, yo, you saw Poster Boy, you saw Jen. Like, that was 
a magical time. So I wish we could get back those days, but that was like my favorite era. Man, I still got Jurassic Harlem on my iPod, on my Yo. iPhone. So, I mean, you just brought me back with the poster boy reference. Goddamn. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Only service you remember. Facts. Exactly. Bro, they. There wasn't outside, as the kids say. There wasn't outside. <laughs> um, so, yo, man, let's talk about the blog era. I mean, I feel like yeah. this was kind of like... It's it's weird now because now we're at the point where we're sort of uh, cataloging it now, right? Where, right. you know, the Nah Rights, the Rap Radars, the Two Dope Boys, the You Heard That News, that whole Double XL's Complex, all that shit. Right. That was kind of a... That's now been a time where we could kind of go back and 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 reflect on every everybody that's popped off since then. And you mentioned yeah. it when you're talking about Drake being the artist of the decade, but I would just love to know your thoughts on, you know, just just let people know just how like the blog era was really started and how people consumed music and, you know, just how different it was leading into the streaming era which we're currently in now. Yeah, when you think about the blog, the first website comes to mind is like, not right. You know, shout out to SK, where the fuck he is. Um, SK's a myth, bro. Like, I might have I might have seen him in real life like once, but I've <laughs> spoke to him so many times. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, SK, man, we used to work together at XXL. That was a fun time. But um, I think about him and his impact and influence. And then, of course, you know, him having that site evolving to like the U. Uh, the new music cartel with Low Key, Miss Info, and Two Dope Boys. You know, that was just a different time. And I honestly don't think that we appreciated it for what it was, you know, because hindsight is twenty twenty, And it's just like when, when you're in a moment, you don't realize you're making history. You're not, you know, you're not realizing that you're impacting so many lives and breaking so many careers. We were just kind of working. I felt like we knew our influence, but we really didn't appreciate it the way we um, do now. But, you know, those guys kind of inspired Ellie and I to create Rap Radar and uh, kind of jump into it as well. So I think just um, from being immersed into that and seeing the artists that came from it and, like, to see them now have, like, real careers like the Drakes, the Wale's, and J. Cole's, and Kendrick Lamar's, and everyone came from that. It was just a different time, man. Like, we kind of, in a way, were the A&Rs of the day. And, you know, we were the ones that were kind of dictating who uh who was who was good and who was bad oh that was like a badge of honor at one point like if an artist got you a record and was like yo you could premiere this on your website you could premiere this on you know such and such or like you know you got a video to premiere there and even god bless you if you have one of those drops like one of those one of those you know I forgot, I was, I, was, I was on D-Nice's Instagram Live the other day, and I heard a Tape Masters Inc. drop, and I was like, oh, man, Tape Masters Inc.? Tape Masters Inc., wow. <laughs> that took me back, bro. But um, it, was a time. It, was, it was a crazy time, man, because, like, you know, I was... I was definitely in it at the point, but not at the at the sense where you know, uh, you know, the guys like SK and, and and Mecca and Shake were doing it. But I mean, you know, it was a time where there was so much power in the blogger. It was so much power in the in the right. influencer. Where you know, you hear the word influencer now, and it's almost like a four letter word. But back then, like <laughs> you know, motherfuckers really need to have a, have a following and a trust with certain artists, and I guess to a certain exactly. extent, labels to you know. Let them know which songs were hot. Like I remember vividly, and that was the difference between. And I'm not, not, sorry, I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but I'm just saying it's just that, like, 
to go, kind of piggyback what you're saying is like there's trust. People trusted the people that were curating the conversations and you know putting these artists on platforms. Nowadays, it's like the wild, wild west. You don't know who to trust. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, you got people out there with you know large followings, but you know you, you feel like. And I hate using the term culture vulture, whatever that the motherfucker, the, the the flavor of the month is now. But it's like there's certain people you had to see outside eventually. You know what I mean? Like there's certain people that just just literally live online. But yeah, if you had something, if you had a, if you had some sort of uh, a, a stroke within the industry or some sort of influence there, like motherfuckers had to see you eventually. You know what I mean? So like it was a lot right. different back then. Um. I, I would love to get your thoughts on your favorite interview personally, which was the one that, you know, do you have, you hold a, a very near and dear to your heart, whether it's Rap Radar, whether it's MTV, whether it's yeah. writing a, a Gucci Mane cover story for the source, <laughs> like, any one of those. Um, you know what's weird is, like, I love all the interviews I do for the most part, so it's honestly, it changes from day to day, but um, I'm still kind of high off the Drake interview. I just think because of, it was so unexpected. Um, and I just love that what it did, you know, for the game. It shook things up. And I'll, for me, when Ellie and I have done that like three times, that with Jay-Z, Will Smith, and of course with Drake, it's the best feeling ever. Mm. So it's like, when we, you know how hard it is, Kazim, we've had that interview for like almost two, three weeks. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell the group that. And it's like, you know, when you put it out, the whole world is just lit up on fire and it's like wow like you did that so it's a great feeling and um i think the drake interview right now is number one i like the jay-z one a lot um will smith was cool nipsey and honestly it just varies man for the day like Mm. two weeks ago um i had posted a clip of me interviewing biggie's mom she had to junk it uh, a few years ago right and um I was looking at that interview. I was like, damn, that was a really good conversation with, you know, Big's mom. And at that, that day was my favorite. So it varies. But right now I'm still, I'm still high off the Drake one. I mean, that's, that's a, it's not a bad one to be high off of. I mean, <laughs> goddamn, it was number one video on YouTube for damn near yeah. a month. Um, man, so we spoke a little bit about it earlier in the, in the interview, but I mean, the J Electronica Jay-Z album, I mean, I know, you know, I know you and Hove talk, and you and Hove have a, a sort of a relationship there. And um, uh, I know, I mean, there's something there. I mean, every time they're around, he he makes sure to g- grab your ear. And uh, with Jay Elect, I mean, this this album seems like it was ten years in the making, but it feels like it was done in the pe- in like the past month. Um, what what were your thoughts on the album, man? I know we're still digesting it, and you know we don't live in the world of. Uh, letting shit breathe for a little while, but I think it, it's breathed, br- breath, breathed its breath for a little bit. Uh, what are your thoughts right. on it? Um, I like it. I think it's like if we always judge things off the source, migrate, getting, I give it a four. Mm. It's a solid. Four. I still do that. I still do that. Man. <laughs> <We all> do. <laughs> it shows my age every time. I'm like, oh, this, is a, this is a three and a half. This is a three and a half, four. <laughs> It makes things a lot easier because you know exactly what that means. Exactly, and if I don't, if I don't need to explain that to somebody, that's the type of person I'm even having these conversations with anyway. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's like right. a four and a half. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a four. Um, I wish that it was more Jay Elect, but I'm not mad that Jay Z's there. Uh, the Flex Capacitor record, it's not my favorite. I hate that record. Mm. I, 
I like what Jason's saying on it because he's talking the NFL and things like that, but I just feel like the beat is all over the place. It just sounds disjointed. But for the most part, I'm not mad. Like, I think it's a decent record. Um, I think four is fair. Four is fair. I, I think, I think we'll see over time how it ages because you know that's how music does. Yeah. But, um, Usually we gotta let the we gotta let, let shit breathe, let the hype die down a little bit before, and and that's a little bit of part of, that I miss about the magazine era. Like we'd get the advanced copy, it, it would have breathed with you for a little bit before it kind of had that effect on on culture and society, and you would see if you were right or wrong on your review. <laughs> so that was a uh, one thing that was really dope. Um, I had Van on the show. Uh, well, today actually. Uh, that that just came out today, but I guess it would be yesterday at this point. Um, and he said that you know after listening to the to the album that it's a little hard to listen to some of Jay's lyrics given everything that's went down with the NFL and you know Kaepernick and not really Kaepernick, but just you know just the way that whole thing was handled. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think do you listen to the album just a little differently knowing? Uh, you know, everything that kind of went down with that whole situation. What are your thoughts? Nah, well, first off, fuck Van. <laughs> <laughs> we love Van, man. It's not playing. That's our guy. Shout out to Van, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, nah, I don't look at it no different. And to be honest, I didn't even think about it when Jay, until Jay said it in the rhyme. He was like, I'm already rich. How can I sell out? I was like, you know, he's got a fucking point. That is a point. Like, huh? <laughs> you know, like, Jay's not doing this, you know, as a. As a as a cash cow, as a cash flip, one like he's already money. He he has his millions, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's like he's doing it to be disingenuous. I think he generally cares. I just wants to help at this point. He has a sports agency, so why wouldn't he want to be involved? Um, but when he, I didn't look at it no different. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all business, right? And me and Van had um, a conversation about this when I was on his show, um, the Red Pill, uh, about a year and a half ago. And I said that, like, listen, if you really want to effectuate change, everyone should boycott. Like, let it let's let's let that be the case. Like, let the players sit out. Like all of the players, if the NFL is so racist, just sit out. You know, take the knee indefinitely. But at the same time, it's like I don't want you to talk about the conditions of your job if you're not willing to sacrifice a paycheck for it. That's mm. the way I look at it. Mm. But you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> to, to each their own. Uh, you you've spoken about the importance of uh, faith. In uh, life and in hip hop and, you know, just just in general, man, just the conversations that we have and, you know, group chats, whatever. Uh, What are you doing right now to kind of stay positive with with everything just going on in the world? That's a good question, guys. To be honest, I'm actually reading my Bible. I've been reading the New Testament um, for like the last month. So I'm actually on the book of John right now. I'm a I'm a unapologetic Christian. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm always going to be forever. And um, I've just been reading the Bible just for clarity purposes and for just for my own soul. And um, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's like, in, um, it's in, uh, you know, plain English. It's like a, one of those contemporary versions and it's, it's a good read. So that's what I'm doing right now. It's, it's helping me. So in these troubled times. That's good, man. I appreciate hearing that. I think a lot of us could use some of that good word. Uh, every day, man. Um, so let's talk about MTV real quick, man. You're working on MTV Office Hours. It's yeah. a series with, you know, these live performances. You've had Conan Gray on it. You had Love. You've had yeah. some of the biggest pop stars in the world. Now, going from 
super Don Diva, double XL, <laughs> hip hop guy to, you know, you're on MTV with BTS and like the biggest yeah. pop stars in the world. What's that just about, just the position been like for you? Ain't that shit crazy? It really is. Like, yo, anytime I see that shit, I'm like, yo, they really got this. The do rag B dot interviewing these motherfuckers right now. That shit trips me out to this day, man. Like, I'm sitting next to like Megan Trainer, and like just two minutes ago, I was listening to Mob Deep. But I love it because you know, at the end of the day, I just want to show my diversity as a journalist. Like, yeah, I could talk to you know. The, the biggest, thuggest, gangsterest rapper in the world, but I also want to be able to talk to, you know, the Jonas Brothers as well, you know, so I just love it, man. MTV Office Hours has been a really good vehicle for me, because at the same time, it's also exposing me to right. artists that I probably wouldn't be familiar with, because I'm a music lover, so I just love the opportunity that they have given me to you know, just talk to people from different walks of life and different uh, backgrounds and different genres of music. It's it's so cool to me, man. Like at the end of the day, you want to be as liquid as possible, you know, as fluid as possible. So, you know, I think when you're given an opportunity to, you know, to showcase your skills and know that you're just not, you know, confined to one specific space, I think it's always great. So Oh, I, I, I could speak to that a thousand percent. I didn't want to be, just be known as the stash right. guy, the hip hop guy. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do sports. I'm going to do, I'm doing all this shit. I'm doing wrestling. I'm doing everything. Fuck it. Um, I, I, <laughs> well, thank God, bro, because man, I don't know when, I don't know when any of these shits is coming back, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> um, man, so put me on, dog. Like, I mean, let me know what's, what's somebody, that you've been introduced to uh, during these MTV days that you probably wouldn't have listened to given this gig, but now you're like, oh, this shit, this shit kind of goes. Like, give me, give me a guy or two or an artist um, or two. All right, this is band um, Wallows. I, that was actually the first non-rap or uh, hip hop uh, act I've ever talked to mm. um, in the music space. Um, Wallows, it's a group, and the lead singer, he's on that show. Um, it's on Netflix, 10 Reasons Why. 10 Reasons Why, yeah. My girl yeah, loves yeah. that show. Yeah. <laughs> so he's leasing, and I, I I didn't know who the fuck a Wallace was, so I listened <laughs> to the music, and I'm like, yo, this shit actually goes. And, like, one of their songs um, called Remember When, I listen to it probably once a week. So I love that project. I love the Wallows now. I'm a big Wallows fan. So that's one of the people. Uh, Mahalia, she's an um, artist from the UK. She, um, has a song currently with LMA and I think Cameron just remixed it recently so um, I'm a fan of her music and her sound um, who else I've talked to Megan Trainer. me and her we had a great conversation like she was telling it got edited it got left on the uh, editing floor but she was talking about how I love, she loves Trinidad culture and mm. she loves soca music I was like what <laughs> so, yeah, because somehow she was saying that like her and Nicki Minaj have this Trinidadian connection. She's like, yeah, I love soca music. I love Marshall Montana. I was like, what the? Wow. I, I like, never would have guessed. Exactly. All about like, that bass, bitch? Really? Right? <laughs> She's talking about I'm going to Carnival. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, I love it, man. But, you know, shout out to MTV, MTV News, the whole staff over there. I, I love it, man. It's a dream, like. You know, like, you grew up watching MTV and, like, Carson Daly, Sways, and 
you know, Kurt Loaders. And I'm like, I'm part of that lineage now? What the fuck? Yeah. Well, you earned that shit, man. I mean, as somebody who's, you know, been, been, you know, watching you and been a friend to yours for a long time, like, can nobody ever say you ever cheated the game, bro? Like, so anytime I see you out there, I'm just like, yep, he deserved that shit. He earned that shit. Likewise. Likewise, Kaz. You're doing a damn thing, man. I'm really proud of you all nine of your jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I seated it. You know what I'm saying? You guys doing the Henny Palooza. I mean, excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Let me get it right. <laughs> the Duce Paloozas. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. Like, you guys are the Barclays. Yeah, I have more people there than the Nets. So, <laughs> well, it, it ain't that hard to do, just considering that team. But, <laughs> right. But yeah, man, uh, B. I'm just gonna leave you with one last question, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna just give you a blank slate. What does the future hold for you? If you can, if some, if God just gave you a pen and a paintbrush and said, "Paint the perfect picture for you, brother," uh, how does it look? Oh man, right now it's looking kind of bleak, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I feel like the future's gonna be bright, man. We're gonna get through this, um, this pandemic the next few weeks, and I feel like we're gonna get back to the money, man. I feel like it's gonna be bigger and better. Like if you would have told me a year and a half ago, hey, hey you're gonna be on MTV, you're gonna be at the red carpet at the, the VMAs, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You. you know what I'm saying? So I just think that if you continue to do your thing continue to work things are gonna come man like this is life man it's gonna have its trials and the tribulations that's part of what we signed up for so i'm optimistic man i think the future is gonna look great right now it's raining we're getting wet we're gonna dry off real <laughs> wise words to live by man brian b dot miller rap radar mtv news one yes. of the voices of a generation god damn it if i haven't said something <laughs> Look how far you come, B dot. Yo, thank you for coming on Say Less. I appreciate you. And uh stay safe and keep your hands clean, brother. Anytime, Kaz, anytime. And that's a wrap on the show. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kazim. That's K-A-Z-E-E-M. And you can follow the page on Twitter, Say Less with Kaz. That's S-A-Y-L-E-S-S-W-I-T-H-K-A-Z. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, all those places. Appreciate y'all listening. Leave a nice review, maybe a comment if it's nice enough. And I'll catch you next week or next day or however long we're doing this shit. But say less. <laughs> <laughs>